With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Gittin Daf Yud Aleph, page 11. We begin on the top line. What is the case of these names that we said, that they're clearly non-Jewish names, that we said as long as those are the names that are signed, we're not afraid that you're going to depend on them to be your witnesses. Amar Papa, Rapapa says, Kegoin Hurmiz Vavudina, Bar Shivtoi, Ubar Kidri, Ubati, Venakim Ona. All these different names that are never used for Jews. Jews never use those names. They're considered completely non-Jewish names. And therefore, if you see such a name, no one would ever depend on them. And therefore, if you have those names signed, according to Shimon, who understands that we have Ede Messir Karti, that we don't care about the actual witnesses that are upon the star, upon the document, so it's okay to have these non-Jews signed on it. So this implies, let's say you have names that are not clearly non-Jewish, meaning they're names that could be used by a non-Jew or a Jew as well. My, what's going to be the law? Lai. So even Rabbi Shimon would agree that it's not good. Ihachi, if it's so, aditani seifa. This that we said in the seifa, lo huzkru We said that, when do we say that it's considered possible, that it's considered no good? We said in the Mishnah, when it's done by someone who's not a court person, when it's done by a regular person. And we explained in the Mishnah that the reason is that since this regular person doesn't care about his reputation so much, not like a judge of a, of a high flutin court, so therefore we can't depend on it. Ligmar says, wait, why are we saying that when is it possible? When it's somebody when is it no good when it's somebody who's a regular guy and not a court guy? We should say as follows. When is this talking about Bashimas Muvhakim? When do we say that it's considered that it's okay to have these non-Jews? When we're talking about when you have these names that are that are obvious that they're non-Jews of but names that are unclear, so we should say no. In other words, that should be the chilek in the Mishnah. When the Mishnah is, telling, is telling us cases where it's not good, it should say the case where you, this case itself, this case where you have a non-Jew, where it's not clear that it's a non-Jew. So, and the problem is that we might come to depend on such a guy who's non-Jewish. Hachinami ka'amar. That's what it, so the Gemara says, that's what it means to say. When do we say that it's okay, that it's okay, it's kosher to use these, these witnesses, even though they're non-Jews, when they're names that are clear? But if they're names that we don't know that they're non-Jewish, So it's just as if it was made by a regular person, a non-court person, and therefore it's possible. So we, we kind of flip, we kind of fit those words into the Mishnah. Another explanation, that this part of the Mishnah is actually not Rebbe Shimon talking. It's actually a continuation of the first part of the Mishnah. And it's talking about the case of Gite Mamon. And this is what it means. This that we said in the first part of the Mishnah, that if you have some kind of document which is talking about money, that, that it's okay. So that's only true in a case where you have Arkais, these Chashuv courts, these important court people. But however, when do we say that it's not good? Only when it's done by someone who's not a court person, by a regular person, because then they don't care about their reputation. So it's actually a continuation of the first part, and therefore it's not a question on Rabbi Shimon. Tanya, we have a b'raisa. Amar b'lazer, Rabbi Yaisi. Rabbi Lazar said, the son of Rabbi Yaisi as follows. This is what the Rabbi Shimon said to the Chachamim of Sidon in this place called Sidon. That in the previous generation, Rabbi Akiva and the Chachamim, so they also had a similar argument, but they did not argue in regards to a shtar, some kind of document that was written in a non-Jewish court. That even though it was signed by a non-Jew, it's okay, it's kosher. So they 
agree by a regular thing. And even when do they argue in regards to a divorce document or the document that frees a slave? They only argue in a case where it was made by a regular person. That in that case, Rabbi Kiva says that it's kosher. And the Chachamim say that it's not good. Whereas there's an exception when it comes to Gitei when it comes to divorce documents and freedom for slaves, that over there, since in those cases, we hold Edim and Karti, the main witnesses are the ones that are there when it's being given over, and not the ones that are actually signed upon it. So as long as the names are Mufhagim, as long as the names are clearly non-Jewish, so we're not worried that you're going to depend on those those people. Rabbi Shimon says, Af Eluk that they are even kosher, even if they're not Mufhagim, even if it's not clear if they're Jewish or non-Jewish, when, if you're in a place that they're very careful, these non-Jews, they don't ever let Jews sign upon any documents. So if you're in such a place, so we're not afraid that you're ever going to depend on these people, since everyone knows that anyone who signed on a document is a non-Jew, therefore even someone with a name that could go either way can sign on such a document. If it's in a place that a Jew, that Jews do sign and non-Jews do as well, so there, even Shemus Mufhakim, holds, even if the names are clearly non-Jewish, we're afraid that if we let you write those names, you might end up writing names that are unclear and they're still non-Jews. So therefore, we don't let you write any non-Jewish names at all on a star, on any kind of document. So the Gemara asks, Makam she'en Yisrael chaysmen nami, ligzer atu makam she'en Yisrael We should say, even in a place where Jews do not sign, that we shouldn't be allowed to use a non-Jewish, non-Jewish signatures, because we might make a mistake in a place where they, the Jews do sign. We're there in those places where the, the Jews do sign, so non-Jews are not allowed at all. So why don't we make this gzer, this decree? So the Gemara answers, Shema b'Shema machlif. When it comes to to mixing up names, meaning if you have, if we allow Seamus Mufhakim, if we allow names that are clearly non-Jewish, we're afraid that at some point you might do something which is another name, which is a name that's not so clear. So that's something that you can mix up. But from one place to another, we're not afraid that you're going to make a mistake. So therefore we don't make that gzir, that, that decree. The Gemara continues, Ravina Savar Armoi. Ravina thought that if you have some kind of gathering of non-Jews, even though it's not an actual official court, that it's going to be kosher if they make some kind of documents. Amrle Raphram, Raphram said back to him, It says in the Mishnah specifically courts. It's not enough to have a group of non-Jews. It needs to be an official place because only the officials are going to be the ones that are going to care about the reputation. But just a, an assembly of non-Jews, they're not going to care about the reputation as much. Amar Rava, Rava said as follows, Hashdara Parsa, if you have some kind of Persian document, the Masrani Hali Ba'ape Sahade Israel, meaning it was written by non-Jewish Persians, and it was given over in front of regular Jewish people, Magbinon Be Mibene Chari. So he says you can collect from anything that from the time that the loan was given was not sold. But anything that was actually sold after the loan was given, even though normally if you have a good document, so that which was sold is still subservient to that loan, meaning if I borrowed money, let's say, from Ruvain, and now Ruvain wants me to pay back, and I don't have any money. So anything that I owned at the time that, that I took out the loan, he's allowed to collect from, even if I sold it. That's called lechasim Mishubadim. Those are prop- property that was Meshubadim, was subservient to the loan. And if I went and sold it, so normally, as long as there's a good document, so he can go and take the money from, from uh, he can collect his loan from that piece of land, let's say, that I sold. So here we're saying this type of document, so he can only collect from, he can't collect from things that were sold, he can only collect from those things that are still free. B'nei Chari. 
So Gemara says, so what is the pshat? Why is it? Why is this document good at all if it's Persian? The people who are actually there for the Eid Messiah are the ones who are giving it over, who are watching and being given over. They don't know what's going on. They don't speak Persian. Gemara answers with the Yadi. They do indeed know. And by the way, all of these Havaminas, all of these things that we're thinking now, the reason that we think them is because we're trying to understand why is it that it, in a certain sense it is considered a good a good document, it does represent the loan, but in another sense it doesn't because he's not allowed to collect from the Chassam Meshubadim, he can't take from something that was subservient. So so that implies that there's something wrong. It's like, my ass, wait, the Persian documents are written in such a way that you could erase them and then it's not clear. It could be that it was written for a greater amount than it was than it was really originally written for. Veleka, so it's a problem because those documents are not made in a way that's clear that they're not forged. It's like, no, it was made in such a way that if you would erase it, it would be clear that it was erased and things were changed. Now the Gemara asks, Don't we need that the last line have a recap of the whole entire star? So, and we don't have that perhaps. The Gemara says, No, but the Mahader, you did indeed go over the entire star. So the Gemara asks, If that's the case, if everything's perfect, So you should also be able to collect from the Chasim Meshubadim, from those, those things that he sold, and someone else owns them now, you should still be able to go to collect from those things. Where it says, no, less Lekala, since it's written by Persians, the ones who signed it were Persians, so therefore, if it's a non-Jew who signed it, usually, Rashi explains that when you have somebody, some Jews that are signing on a shtar, on some kind of document, so they're, they're the ones who start spreading the information that, that this transaction took place. But when the person who, or the people who signed the shtar, this document, are non-Jews, so they're not going to be spreading the news. So nobody knew about this, therefore the person who bought this piece of land shouldn't have known about it, and therefore it's not mashubid, it's not still subservient to the loan. Bamine Rish Lakish asked the following question from Rav Yechen. We turn the page to page 11b. If let's say you have signed upon some kind of divorce document, non-Jewish sounding witnesses. It's not clear if they're Jewish or not. And Rashi explains that it was sent from Israel to outside of Israel. Mahu, what's the halacha? Meaning, do we assume that these are non-Jews? Or do we assume that they are Jews? What's going on? What's the, what's the halacha? The only type of document similar to what you're talking about that came to us, so it had signed on it the names Lucas and Lus, and we said it's kosher because Rashi explains that these names Lucas and Lus, they're very non-Jewish names, they're only exclusively used by non-Jews, and therefore we don't have any reason to assume that they're Jews, and we're not afraid that we're going to depend on them. So therefore, that's why he said, Rabbi Yochanan said that we said it was kosher. These are names that aren't usually used by non-Jews. But other names, the Shechichi Yisrael Damaski Bishmasayu, that Jews do indeed have, so we wouldn't have depended on them. Since they could be confused, it's not clear if it's a Jew or a non-Jew. So everyone is going to know that, let's say, it says on it the name Bob. So Bob is a name that could go either way. It could be a Jew or a non-Jew. So if we're looking at this name, we see that it's Bob from the city of whatever. So, if we go there, we might depend on that guy, and he might not be Jewish. So, therefore, it's going to be a problem. But if the names are clearly non-Jewish, so then we're not worried about those names, because then no one's going to depend on them. Ace, I'll ask you a question. If you have some kind of divorce document that came from outside of Israel, and there are witnesses signed upon them, even though their names are the same as non-Jewish names, 
it is kosher because most of the Jews in outside of Israel, so their names, they use non-Jewish names. So what do we see? We see over there, even though we just said, Rabbi just said that when you have names that are that can go either way, can be Jewish or non-Jewish, so you can't use it. But here we see that you can indeed use it. Sigmar so answers, no, Hasam Kedikhtani Taima. There it's because there's a reason that they said, that over there we're talking about a different case. We're talking about a case where it came from outside of Israel into Israel. Rishel Kosh asked Rabbi a question in a case where it went from inside of Israel to outside of Israel. So over here we're talking about a case where it came from outside of Israel into inside of Israel. And we have every reason to assume now that this document actually was written by a Jew because usually the people who are signing on documents are Jews. So what, what about the fact that it's a name that's not so Jewish? So the answer is that many of the Jews have names that are not Jewish. So therefore we can assume this is a Jew and it's even okay to depend on such a person. But in the case where it came from Israel to outside of Israel and there's a non-Jewish name, so it's not so common for a Jew to have a name like that, to have a non-Jewish name. So therefore we have to assume that indeed it is a non it is a non-Jew, and we might depend on him. So therefore, that's the problem. The Ikeda Amri, and there are those who say, Ki masnisa that actually, Rishlakish's question was similar to the Mishnah. He was asking in a case where it came from outside of Israel into Israel. And according to this version of the story, so Rabbi Yechanan actually answered the question based on this b'risa. Now we continue with the Mishnah. Someone says, give this, get to my wife. Or says, give this document to free my slave. If he wants to change his mind in all these cases, he can. This is Rabbi Meir Shita. The Chachamim say, that's true in regards to a divorce document. But when it comes to a freeing a slave, so he cannot back out because as soon as this shliach this messenger gets the document so he is zoche he can merit you can actually acquire something for someone else if it's a merit for him in regards to getting something for someone else that it's not a good thing for him so you can only do that if he's around but not if he's not around because what's the advantage of him being a slave so you would think that the advantage is that as long as he's by his master so he gets fed but if the master wants he can just say to his avid he can say to his slave I'm not going to give you any food so therefore there's no advantage for him to be staying by his master when it comes to his wife he does not have the right or the ability to say to his wife I'm not going to feed you anymore so therefore for him to send to his wife, it's actually a negative thing. So therefore we say that we do not in in regards to a get, in regards to divorce documents, so she has to be there in order for him to consider hers right away. But when it comes to a shtar shechur, a freeing of a slave document, according to the Chachamim, so it's a good thing for him and therefore it's something that can be done right away and he cannot back out, the, the one who's sending it, the owner. Amr Lahem, Sir Mary responded, Vaharehu Paisalas Adam in Hatruma. What do you mean? There is something bad, because as long as the Avid belongs to a Kohen, let's say, so then he can eat Truma, he's allowed to eat from the tithes that are given to the to the Kohen. Even though he doesn't have to he can't get from from his master, maybe because the master's not gonna give him any food, but he can get from another Kohen and Truma is very cheap. Meaning similarly, just like to a woman, so she's losing out when she gets the documents, so to the, sl- the slave is losing out because he can't get truma. This is all because it, it's his possession. And the exact explanation for this response will be explained in the Gemara. We begin the Gemara. Rav Huna and Rav Yitzchak Bar Yosef were sitting in the base medrash, one row in front of Rabbi Yirmiya. The Yosef Rav Yirmiya v'kamanamnim, and Rabbi Yirmiya was sitting behind him, and he was dozing. Yosef Rav Huna v'kamar, Rav Huna was saying the following: Shmami namid Rabbanon. We can deduce from that which the rabbis say. Hatevis l'balchayv kana. 
from the fact that the rabbis say in the Mishnah that if that if the, you give it over the document for the slave, that you can't back out. So that implies that if you are grabbing something, you're grabbing money. Let's say someone owes, let's say Ruven owes Shimon money. And you're Shimon's friend, you want to collect for him, and you see Ruven has money on him, and you grab the money. So you've done a good thing for, for Shimon. And therefore, it works. You can do that, in fact. In fact, Shimon now owns that money. So th- we see that clearly from this case. That's the concept of Zachana Adam Shalbafana. You can get something, you can create a Kenyan, some kind of transaction, even though the guy doesn't know about it. Let's say Ruvain owes Shimon money, but he also owes Levi money, and you want to grab it for Shimon, and you're making Levi lose out. So are you allowed to do that as well? Amarlay in. So he said to me, yes, because in this case, so the owner, the owner of the slave is losing out when you take the, the divorce document. So at that moment, Itar Bahu Rabbi So Rabbi Yirmiya woke up. Amarlahu, and he said to them, Dardikim, children. This is what Rabbi Yechanan said. If you try to grab something for Shimon, let's say, Reuven owes Shimon and Levi money. So you try to grab the money for Shimon, but you're making Levi lose out. Like, it doesn't work. Rabbi Yechanan says explicitly. If you want to ask from our Mishnah, which seems to say, it seems to imply that even though the master is losing out, you can still grab it for this slave. So, no, the master is saying, take this thing and, and give it to him, meaning he's, he's relinquishing his rights to the slave. Rav Chizda says, If you're trying to grab it for Shimon, when it's a, it's a loss, you're going to take it away from Ruvain, and Levi's going to lose out. So, This comes on to the argument between Rav Lezer and the Rabbanan, the Tanayim we learned in the Mishnah. If let's say you have Peah, and you are gathering the Peah. Peah is stuff that's supposed to be left over for a poor person. Now, what did you do? You're the owner of the field, and you want to say, listen, I have a friend who's an Ani, and I want to get this for him. Rabbi Lezer Omer Zachalo. Rabbi Lezer says the, the owner of the house is allowed to do it. The Chachamim say, no, indeed, you can't do that. It doesn't work. Because since there are other people around, so they can actually take it. What's the understanding of this? So it sounds like it's exactly the same case that we've been talking about. Amar Amemer, Vitem Rapapa. Amemer says, and there are those who say it was Rapapa, we come on to give Bezim and Aleph. Dilmalahi. Maybe that's not a good comparison. The reason that he says it over there has nothing to do with the fact that he's actually being Zoche, uh, he's meriting for his friend, he's giving this thing for his friend. But rather has to do with the fact that since the Balabais, the one who owns it, he could be mafkir, he could make all of his possessions ownerless, and then he would be poor, and he can himself could take it. And once he can take it for himself, so he can take it for someone else as well. But normally we wouldn't say that. And you could even say that the rabbis, that they say their halacha over there, has nothing to do again with with in a place, you're meriting for someone in a place where someone else could also equally take it, and you're taking away from that guy. Nothing to do with that, Actually, the reason that they hold that you can't do it is because the end of the verse is the next verse says so we can actually read it together. So this is coming to teach you why does the verse put these three words next to each other? That you're not allowed to take it even for someone else. If the guy wants to come, the poor guy wants to take it, he has to take it himself. But in another case, indeed, you would be able to merit for someone else to get something, even though someone else would be losing. Very Lazar. And Rabbi Lazar, what does he do with this verse? This is to teach an Ani that if a poor person has his own field, let's say he's very poor, he's poor enough to be able to collect from other people's fields, but he has a small field of his own. He still has to leave over pay, he still has to leave over stuff for another poor person. We'll continue from here in the next Daily Daf.